Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to the sixth episode of Talk Local. Um, today, I was joined in the local 219 studios by with Tom Maloney, uh, the vice president of Lakeshore Public Media. Um, he's the vice president of radio, so he's uh, got an NPR affiliation. Uh, when I used to work there, him and I used to get into a ton of conversations, and this is just one of those instances that it was recorded. Uh, we talk a lot about music. We talk a lot about uh, the pet peeves of the community, um, from driving to bathrooms to everything else. And then we uh, sprinkle in a little bit of sports. The interview goes for about an hour 30, hour 35, so stay in there. It's uh, pretty. I think it's pretty entertaining. Hopefully you do too. Um, so without further ado, here's my interview with Tom Maloney. So what's been going on? Living the dream, baby. Living the dream. Yeah, one day at a time. That's what I do. I wake. Right, well, thanks I, for coming. I wake <laughs> up, uh, and uh, I, I take that Kesha song to heart. And uh, props to Kesha for uh, getting back in on it. Uh-huh. I, I feel like P Diddy every single day. It's great. Well, I feel like I owe you one because. Um, sorry, I didn't. I didn't. Uh, I didn't go further with that joke. But yeah, I feel like I owe you one because the last time you were here, everything kind of melted down. It did. And, uh, uh, it was such a great conversation. It was like that one that one aspect where it was like the uh, golden goose that we're never going to get to see because it was an, such right. an amazing conversation, but right. now it's lost. I've I've seen like you know, there's always a photo online, and it's like, man, I wish I could see the video for that photo. Wink and a nudge. Mm. Yeah. You know, what reminds me it reminds me of that Tenacious D song. Which one? This is the greatest song in the world. Oh yeah, no, they're not actually si- they're not actually singing uh, "Stairway to Heaven." They're just singing about yeah, singing ha- "Stairway to Heaven." No, yeah. that's the wrong one. It's the one where like uh, it's called tribute. Yeah, I know. It's a tribute to the greatest song in the world yeah. because they forgot the actual real the greatest song in the world that they wrote. No, I had heard that the greatest song in the world that they had sung about was "Stairway to Heaven." No. And that was a song. It was a tribute about Stairway Tom, to Heaven. Josh, fact, check, fact check this, Josh. <laughs> Tom, Get on it. Tom. I know you're wrong on that one. Oh, man. I know. We're starting off just yeah, bad. Here yeah, we are. Great album, though, Tenacious D. Yeah. That, what was that one called? I don't remember. Was it just self-titled? It, it might have been, been self-titled. I think the next one was Pick a Destiny, right? Yeah. It was, man, it was black been... and, like a black and white cover of uh, it was just those two Jack guys. and Kyle standing on the... Uh, the, the like the, like Some this kind whole of stage. like yeah this whole black back shot behind him with their acoustic guitars we caught him at uh, at Riot Fest a couple of years ago really and, uh, Jack Black is just I mean the dude is just funny yeah. I mean yeah he's probably done some pretty terrible movies and people are like okay we get the shtick but like in person like in reality he's actually funny yeah, yeah. um I, I saw them at the UIC okay and uh it was right when that first album came out so okay I was, so like, that was right in the mix of it all that was early 2000s like oh two oh three ish somewhere in there i was 21 so i remember yeah. having beers so i'd yeah. probably say at least post 2003 and okay. probably before 2007 yeah that That's sounds about right it. sounds about um, right and it was a good time man and you're right they're like showmen they like, are it's they a really are show yep yeah so that was really cool nice yeah, so uh, what else has been going on? What else has been going on? I know, on? so you just got off of a pledge drive at Lakeshore. Yeah, just wrapped up a fundraising, hence my PBS nerd, and I've got a Lakeshore hoodie here yeah, as well. Look at you. Uh, you know, I rock the uh, the public media swag pretty hard. Um, yeah, pledge drive uh, just wrapped up, so I'm kind of uh, still getting my, my marbles about in my brain, trying to uh, figure out what day is what, because like, the whole like three or four days post-pledge drive... 
I really don't know what day it is anymore. It's basically like going on like a Hunter S. Thompson bender in Vegas for a weekend. And then you wake up on Monday and you're like, I don't know what's going on anymore. That's kind of how a pledge drive is for me. Yeah. Well, Sans drugs. When I was there, it was like you, when that pledge drive starts, it's like you're in a cave for yeah. 24 hours and you're inside that office all day yep. doing that stuff. And then essentially raising uh, an average amount of money. Right. Uh, so it just seems like there's certain ones that are better. There, there's definitely like an ebb and a flow. Some drives are better than other drives. Um, and the hustle is always the same, regardless if you're if you're making 50 bucks or you're making 50,000 bucks, right? Like you're always hustling. And that's kind of that, um, you, you don't get to go ahead and lighten up just because you're Cleveland playing the Bulls this year. Yeah. You know, it's like you, you still have to play the game for what, 60 minutes or whatever. And it's like, there, there's nothing you can do about it. You just, you have to play each game you got So are you considering yourself the Bulls? Uh is that what you're saying right now? The marketing Bulls? Oh uh, man. If it is against uh Boston from the other night, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so you get some wins. Yeah. Every I get once some in wins. a while you get steal some wins. one. You need some. You need some. That's what keeps you going. Yeah, man. I I actually uh thinking back about it, like I so I've been I think I've been gone there since October thirty first. So that's been almost um, almost two months. October thirtieth. It was the Monday of uh, Chili Palooza. That's right, yeah, and that was go. a great time. It was a it great. Was. It was a great farewell. A lot of chili. A um, lot of chili. A lot of chili going on. Uh, I do. You know what? Looking back at it, like I, I uh, it's it's uh, the people is pretty much that I missed the most. It's me. You know, for really? sure. Really? Yeah. Me. No, it is you. It is you. It's. Yeah. Uh, it was a. It was a pretty fun time. I, can I? I do can miss I those break conversations? Can I break the fourth wall here? Can I? Sure. Can I say? Yeah. He he misses me the most. <laughs> I'll look at each camera here. Each camera, right? Yeah. We got that all. Okay, cool. <laughs> no, and that sure is true, it. man. We used to have some uh, knockdown, dragout conversations that would last hours. They they would. And uh, to the CEO, James Muhammad, if you're watching this, it didn't last hours on the clock, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I think one of my favorite conversations that we ever got into was the uh the planetary space alignment of music yes and people are wondering like what in the can i swear you got sponsors you're big time now so like am no. i allowed to swear you can swear it's, i can uh, swear yeah okay. I, i've been actually trying to refrain from it because um i got like a dose of reality uh, so we go to the church in faith uh in yeah Cedar Lake, yeah and uh when my when my pastor's wife started following all my stuff it was oh, like well man. now i've got to not be a total asshole and, you know. and here you just said asshole. I know. Now I did too. Okay, there's my swear word. But it's for only the an ass. I feel like asshole is not really the f bomb. And like, if I, I don't have no problem saying the f word, it's just it's got to be for like a purpose. Yeah, I. You are really getting old, man. I know. Wow. I know. When did that happen? I don't know. I still say like totally ridiculous things. You're though. like your Fair Isle sweater. You look like you should be like yachting over here in the uh, the lake behind your house. <laughs> for a hobbit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a silent V. Yeah. Well, you're the rower. I am. Right? So I am the rower. You and Dude, I would be a good squad. We are set, man. We are set. Um. So what were we talking? The planetary. <laughs> the planetary. <laughs> planetary alignment of music, right? Yeah. So we got this. Uh, and we, we got, weren't stoned during this conversation. No, we those. weren't. We got Highway 61 revisited, which yeah. uh, I Alan, took that one out for you. I know you were uh, you were rocking it on the um, on the uh, on on the turntable there. Of course, the Triumph motorcycle T-shirt, always a classic with Bob Dylan. Yep. Right. So you kind of take um, you take an artist and you determine what they are to that genre of music and to music as a whole. Mm -hmm. So for somebody like Bob Dylan in the folk scene, Bob Dylan is a planet that was born out of Woody Guthrie. So Woody Guthrie is sort of your two comets colliding or whatever, boom, 
yeah. planet forms. I don't understand how science works. Uh, my whole view of science is that uh, Charlie Day quote from Always Sunny where he says, I just take the trash and light it on fire and the smoke just goes up into the sky and creates stars. <laughs> like that's that's my view of science. I don't know a lot about it. I didn't pay a lot of attention in science class. Yeah. Um, well, it's like there's a lot of uh, attention to detail in science. Yeah. And that lost me right that's, away. Like I'm just, that's not my style. Right, um, right. And so uh, Bob Dylan's like a planet, right? Okay, yeah. so you look at Bob Dylan as a planet, and then you look at the, or maybe Bob Dylan's the sun, I guess is technically, right? It's the black, the Big Bang Theory, right? As yeah, I'm man, the you microphone. just keep rocking that microphone. Oh, man. Maybe I'm going to move it's it like back It's like the McGregor-Mayweather fight. <laughs> now there's, oh, there uh, that's, yeah, that's, that's even that's worse. That's making it way better. You're the radio <laughs> guy, dude. <laughs> Josh is going to be like, man, why do I got to edit Come all this stuff? On, you let this amateur in here? <laughs> um, anyway, so so Dylan is the... Um, Dylan is the... Re, the uh, so the sun is the culmination of the recording, right? So like we're yeah. talking about recording, we're talking about live. So literally like... And we're talking about the solar system. And I think... Let me let me rewind just a little yes, bit to thank give you. people thank a little you. bit of context because we're just jumping right in. Yeah, we are. Um, we started the, this conversation because we were trying to figure out a way mm-hmm. that we could put value on bands. And right. so we took out the idea of, uh, of record sales. Because mm-hmm. otherwise the Eagles would be huge, right? And Michael yeah. Jackson would be the biggest thing in the world. Well, I mean, he is. He is. He's, he's got a plan. We're himself. in Northwest Indiana. He yeah. is. Yeah. So, so we were mainly focused on um, trying to define the influences of artists mm-hmm. that went through the eras, right? So right. what we kind of came to the conclusion was that it, while there's a son of the mm-hmm. music, because it's kind of what gives it the lifeblood, right. it's probably the industry right. itself, we figured out that it all pretty much comes down to Elvis Presley, Bob Dylan, and the Beatles that start that beginning of the solar system. So what's yep. the closest planet to the sun? I don't even know. Uh, Do you know that? I don't Neptune? Even know that okay. Sounds I don't good. know. Is sounds that right, good. Josh? Sounds good. <laughs> All right, cool. I know it's not Pluto. So <laughs> It's not Earth, not Jupiter. Yeah, I don't think good. it's in the solar system anymore. Right. So we're starting off with the first couple planets that are the closest to the yeah. sun. And then as time is going on, we're getting further outside of the solar system, mm-hmm. which is creating the galaxy. Is it Venus? I don't know, man. Yeah, Sorry, keep going. I don't know, going. man. I honestly should have... Th- you know how many times I get caught in a conversation here, and I'm like, I should have looked this up before right. I did it, But you don't I know knew this was going to come up. Yeah, I knew this was, was going to come it up. Was. I knew it was. But yeah, so it was like this really um, interesting conversation we had. And I think the only thing we didn't really figure out is like, if, so if we got Chuck Berries and we've got the lead mm-hmm. bellies that are kind of these smaller planets right. that are kind of stemming off and saying, okay, well, if Chuck Berry had that kind of influence, mm-hmm. then that has to be, what was it, a planet? Or was that a moon around the Elvis planet? It because- could be a moon around the planet. Um, I think something else we didn't get into is if you look at like, uh, right, our solar system, but you look at how many other solar systems are in the Milky Way galaxy. Mm-hmm. But you could just kind of, okay, so all of a sudden another, you know, two planets collide and explode and boom, something else gets sent off into the ethers of space, which creates a secondary subgenre of music. So that right. kind of like a, um, you know, a Chuck Berry is probably like a really, really big moon because a moon is, as you know, forcing a lot of gravitational pull on a planet one way or the other and the planet's pulling back on the moon it's it's feeding back and forth it's the rolling stones and the beatles right it's the 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 beach boys and um the beatles the, the beatles right yeah it's it, <laughs> everybody everybody in the beatles, the beatles. <laughs> that's how it comes that's how it all kind of breaks down but it's yeah. the what sort of impact does that artist or does that musical group have on that genre of music and in turn the artists uh, that come out 
of, so like post everything Bob Dylan in the 1960s, what does the folk scene look like? And that's why he's, you know, he's this massive planet for- Howie the, Day and Jason Mraz. Oh, Bob, you let us down, man. Oh. Um, but um, Yeah, who's the guy who sings Riptide? What's his name? I've seen him live too. I don't even know. What's his name? Riptide. I don't, I don't know. I'm not going to sing it. No, please don't. Yeah, that's, uh, I don't want to uh, character assassinate myself. Yeah, fair enough. Um, Vance Joy. Vance Thanks, Joy, there you Josh. go. Josh. Josh is the music guy. Chime nice. in anytime you, uh, we get into one of those issues. But I think the only thing we haven't figured out is like, so Chuck Berry can't be a moon because he didn't stem from the planet, right? Mm -hmm. So like, um, for example, the Beatles planet right. has ELO, mm -hmm. it has Badfinger, yeah. it has two moons. It probably has Band on the Run. I think it has all the solo stuff from all those artists as For well. For sure, all those guys are outside so of that. George Harrison's uh, double LP that he releases, like what two years after they break yep, up, like yep. that is, you know, that's a massive moon, um, and it has an impact as it's going around the planet, going around other planets and moons and whatnot. It's a very, you know, it's a work in progress kind of a theory. But um, those those artists, so yeah, Chuck Berry is maybe he's a smaller planet. Right, because out yeah. of Chuck Berry, obviously comes uh, the success of Elvis, the success of Buddy Holly and the Crickets. You've got Richie Valens, the Big Bopper. Um, a lot of the guys obviously wrapped up with the Little day the Richards music died. In that yeah, era. Little Richard, Jerry Lee Lewis. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, and, and so, where does it like that? That's I guess where it gets complicated. Is mm -hmm. like where do you start to kind of like you got it always kind of just keeps getting further into the like, right so like where does blues and where does like guys like miles davis and like uh where, where do they kind of start to i think they're they're closer to the sun and some of those guys um i think especially somebody like robert johnson is probably a really big planet close to the sun he's probably mm -hmm. the equivalent of like jupiter next to the sun and the reason i say that is because look at the cultural impact that he had on the 1960s british rock invasion Right. Look at the impact that he had on a guy like Eric Clapton, mm -hmm. who, depending on how you argue it, oh, Jesus Christ, Tom. Um, sorry, church. A lot folks. of body um, language. A lot of body language going on in this room right now. Right. Uh, right. So Eric Clapton. Look at what he did with Cream. Look mm -hmm. at what he did with Blind Faith. Look at what he did with his solo work as well. Uh, his guitar work as a sideman. I guess, or a guest on a lot of even the Beatles stuff, uh, mm -hmm. While My Guitar Gently Weeps, him doing that solo on there is just killer. Like, Clapton himself could really just be a planet. Um, so you look at, okay, what kind of an impact, who had an impact on Clapton? So then you have to turn around and look at that, and you look at, like, Robert Johnson, you look at those old Delta Blues guys, Sun House, then you look at the impact of Muddy Waters becoming electrified and really kind of changing that pre-war acoustic version of the blues when... Juke joints, not all of them in the South had electricity or stable enough electricity. There, there's no way you're going to be able to amplify that sound. Uh, they're playing resonators. They're playing acoustic guitars kind of high up. The old lead bellies, um, blind, uh, the, uh, blind Willie Johnsons. Um, you know, there's no way to do that. All of a sudden, post-war, Muddy Waters has to figure out how do I get this guitar out over the crowd so the people in the back can hear me. And all of a sudden, boom. Muddy Waters plugs in, which I will argue is a, um, maybe incorrectly, and I could probably fall on this sword, but I would argue that Muddy Waters plugging in was a bigger deal to music than Bob Dylan plugging in at Newport, right? Bob Dylan was, was part of a, a cultural scene, right, at the time, and yes. all of a sudden Dylan plugs in, and it's this yeah. BFD, and people are, like, losing their minds. Oh, my God, the, the 
godfather of folk music or whatever. The, the biggest name in the industry is plugged in. He's selling out. That's not possible if Muddy doesn't plug in, what, 20 years prior. I mean, yeah, there's, there's rock, there's uh, electric blues, there's um, electric jazz. Everybody's playing like semi-hollow uh, Gertz and uh, Gretsch. And then, um, sorry, Gertz, if Gertz watches this, uh, Gretsch and uh, Gibson guitars and whatnot. But Muddy plugging in and kind of changing the dynamic of music to electrify it is what even makes Dylan being able to plug in possible. Yeah, and, no and, doubt. and so that kind of an impact, that kind of a thing. So even if it wasn't Muddy Waters, if it was some other artist who did that, I think um, that type of a, uh, a musical event, again, I know nothing about space. You know nothing about space. We need a yeah, NASA the, guy The only thing here. I know about space is Space Oddity and Ziggy Stardust. Yeah, there's a lot. That's about as far like, as I there's go. There's a whole bunch of stars up there. and. Yeah. Um, that event, regardless of who it was, really paves the way for a lot of the stuff. So you have to go, like when we talk about the sun, you almost, like the sun is almost literally like sun records as opposed to sun house, the old bluesman. That's interesting. Um, um so I'm going to rewind just a little bit yeah. in that conversation because you said something I wanted to kind of touch on. I don't think Dylan plugging into electric was as influential when it comes to playing electric. Mm-hmm. I think that was more about him shifting his character yeah. in the middle of the, his prime. Yeah, Does I, that make sense? I, I would agree, and that's kind of, that's the sword I would fall on, is that it's, it's a bigger deal to the scene of music than it is to electric music. Because at the time, like I said, there was still electric blues, there was still rock, there was still Richie uh, Valenzuela singing La Bamba, there was Richie still... Richie Valens. 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 Valenzuela. <laughs> He's the pitcher, right, for the, uh, the Dodgers? Fernando, yeah. Fernando. <laughs> What planet are you on? Oh, man. How close are you to the sun? <laughs> I'm a little too close right now. Too close for comfort. Um, but that's, uh, yeah, so it's kind of like this, like where we are in music today, obviously, is a byproduct of everything that happened before it. And so sure. um, it's not necessarily fair to compare, like, Alan, what you were saying earlier, to kind of set the whole stage. It's really not fair to compare um, a megastar today like Justin Bieber to another pop icon of the 1960s or 70s or even the 1950s. The reason being because look at where you can get music today, right? It's YouTube, it's Spotify, it's Pandora, there's CDs, obviously the radio. But there's also still so much more music out there, um, which I think makes it tougher for artists to even get noticed. But those artists who do get noticed that keep getting pushed to that top, to that pyramid point, um, there's so many more people on the planet today that can listen to or purchase that music that can then make that person the next Eagles band or something, right? It can make them the, you know, but I will say there's some, there's something to be said about the cultural staying power of Dark Side of the Moon uh, for what, like almost 40 years, 30 plus years, 40 years of that album being on Billboard's top 100 list. Like that, there's something something to be said about that album specifically with regards to Pink Floyd. Yeah, well, I think that's one thing that um, I know. So, first of all, I don't think that we've changed. I think things evolve. Yes. Right? So, yeah. while Bieber is getting, like, all this, while well, he's at the top now, I think the difference is that money has always kind of created these superstars from a marketing mm-hmm. standpoint. Yep. I think what's happened is that we've gotten so many different platforms and different ways of exposure to, imp- to like, um, right. advance your brand that the teams these people need now have to be super huge. 
They do. You know, um, and, and from the Dark Side of the Moon conversation, yeah. I think that what makes that album and what makes a lot of the great albums is the ability to stay true to the artistic values of what art is. And that's being truthful, mm-hmm. that's being your own, that's being creative, and that's forming your own identity. And does I, that I, make sense? It does. And to that as well, I would probably throw out the point that um, there is something, something to be said about the cultural impact of it, right? You, you see 14-year-olds right. out wearing Dark Side of the Moon t-shirts, and they've maybe listened to like two songs off the album. You right? know the shirt I'm seeing a lot of lately is Nirvana. The, the yellow Nirvana and yeah. the, the happy face. Yep. Like I'm some I'm amazed at how many I'm seeing of those. Maybe because Target sells the shit out of them now, but Yeah, the uh, that whole like uh I love Nirvana by the way. I, you're always a fan of my book. If Right. I'm I'm excited to see it, so I'm not angry. Yeah, it's kinda weird, but I, I think at the same time a lot of those kids I mean, I grew up I, I wore Led Zeppelin shirts. Led Zeppelin broke up in nineteen eighty. I was born in 84. You know what I mean? So like when I was 14 or 15 years old wearing a Led Zeppelin shirt, yeah, it was, I think, just me showing my appreciation of the band. Um, and Led Zeppelin is like probably top two, top three for me, depending on the day of the week. Um, and it's one of those things that I, I think people just kind of, they show their appreciation for. So like Nirvana, the planet of Nirvana, because Nirvana is a planet. Uh, regardless if they were the, quote, biggest on the grunge scene, regardless of who in the underground said, well, Mudhoney was better, or uh, Pearl Pixies. Jam, or the Pixies, or somebody else. Nirvana's yeah. the planet because of the cultural impact that they had and pushed the grunge movement. They 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 brought in the 90s, right? So yeah. like, to at least 94. Right, right, pre-90s, I mean, everything is, at this point, um, you know, you've got a lot of Guns N' Roses, you've got Snake, you've got... Uh, White Crew. Snake, you've got uh, Poison, Motley Crue, these these 80s hair metal bands, the glam, Twisted the excitement sister. of the 80s. Mm-hmm. And um, there's obviously, you know, the same thing that happened with punk in the 70s. There's this underlying dis- disconnect to it. And the hair metal stuff was a response to the punk stuff, which was a response to disco, which was a response to the rock before it. And, you know, there, there's these, these waves and these evolution patterns that happen. Um and so when you look at that from a, from a I guess, a, a bird's eye view, um, you know, I think those kids see that impact. You know, they, the bands that they listen to are all these like 15 to 20 to 30 year old guys who grew up either listening to Nirvana on their own or they grew up listening to their parents listen to Nirvana. Right. So the music that, that they listen to now is impacted by that band. So they're, again, wearing those shirts to show the cultural affinity and appreciation for Nirvana versus like, I guess, Bieber or something. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. And yeah. I don't know where we, I don't know if we ever came to a conclusion in the beginning of that conversation. I don't think, I think there... it's just one of those things. It's just, it's never a conclusion, right? It's just one thing that you just Absolutely. keep adding and adding Absolutely. and adding layers. And like, there's no way of like, I think the hardest part about the, mm-hmm. the, the stratosphere conversation in universe yeah. Is that it's hard to track. You almost need like a, this is what we were talking about. Like you can't write that down. No. It almost has to be like some uh, virtual reality or some kind of. It's a living of, digital document that can be like yeah. Update. Like it's got to be open sourced to go ahead because, you know, what we know in terms of our fandom of music and what we listen to might be minuscule in one genre like metal. I know next to nothing about metal. Same. Um, but and, somebody else could go ahead and really give me a full-on description of the history of metal from Zeppelin and Black Sabbath going into Judas Priest, going into Metallica, yep, going yep. into the hair metal, going into yep. that um, 
the 90s metal and like Sepultura is like the last like metal band from like the 90s that I even vaguely kind of remember. And I, I think, you know, some stuff gets classified as metal, like the, the Limp Biscuit rap, rap rock thing with like POD and they're like, I don't know that that's metal. Papa Roach. Papa Roach. Like that's not really metal so yeah. much as I. I but it does but, make sense from this angle, right? So if yeah. we were to try to make sense of this for people who are actually listening, is that they've if, all stopped at this if, point? Yeah, no, I like I kid with Josh is I can like literally hear the clicks right, right now in my head yeah. just getting off They're this done. podcast. They are done. Um, the uh, so if like if we we're going to be introduced to the metal scene, mm-hmm. we would want to be saying, "Hey, let us know who the biggest planets are, and we'll start there." Right, right. So then we we cover the planets, mm-hmm. and then from there we're just trying to figure out uh, at that point if we're still interested, we're yeah. trying to start to kind of see the moons, right? right? So that's where we start to kind of add into that and start to kind of build our extensive library of understanding and, and who knowledge are of who it. are those those shooting stars the bands that maybe um, the songs the songs like one that song one here. song or like one album and they broke up or like, like they're yep. the, they're the super groups the, like uh, Harvey Danger's Flagpole Sitter yeah right that's a that's a that's a comet that's that, not anything else that's yeah, not that a planet post, that's not a moon that sort of post grunge like yeah. 90s thing whereas like the foo fighters like for me would be they would be a planet in the post-grunge world, but on the overall thing, they'd be a smaller planet than Nirvana because yeah. they are a result of Nirvana, but they still had their own cultural impact. And What's interesting about that area in particular, I'm going to try to stick with the grunge a little bit, mm-hmm. right? Which, this is what we know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> What's interesting about that area, and we're talking really from like, so the I think Bleach is like late 89, Yes, right? Bleach is eighty nine, but their cultural impact doesn't really happen. Their their touchdown on the under the moon. Yeah, their walk on the moon doesn't happen until Nevermind ninety one, right? which smells like Teen Spirit. Right, and then from there, you're really following. When we think of grunge, mm-hmm. we're really only talking about the Seattle scene mixed in with a couple other bands, right? And for all of maybe a handful of years, right. So we're talking ninety one to pretty much the death of Kurt Cobain. 94. 94, right? So yeah. that a little zetgeist of three to four years. Mm-hmm. And they control the commercial um, rock of that era. Yeah. And there's the flannels, and there's the ripped jeans, and there's the grungy hair, and yeah. it's like the greasy hair. Um, what's interesting about that, though, I still is wear a flannel, it, by the way, FYI. For I know. Right? Yeah. I, I've been around you. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so, the um, not me. Not clearly, you. Clearly. Not you. You're a classic guy. I'm rowing guy. right now. Um, I, need my, I need my pipe. Yachting. <laughs> um, so... What's interesting about that, though, if you look back in retrospect, yeah. right, there's four bands that are coming out of Seattle that is kind of leading that charge. Okay. It's it's Nirvana, who's the the planet. Right. There's Pearl Jam. Mm-hmm. There's Soundgarden. Okay. And there's Alice in Chains. Yeah. I think if you look back at that, the smartest thing that Pearl Jam ever did was start to kind of rebel against that image. I Because it didn't... What, what, what kind of doomed Alice in Chains and Soundgarden mm-hmm. is they never... They never... They, they embraced it. Does that make sense? So like yeah. once, once that era died with Kurt Cobain, they were kind of left trying to figure out who they were. And they were still, and don't get me wrong, I love Alice in Chains. Um, I'm a big uh, Chris Cornell fan and Soundgarden. Uh, when when he passed, I mean, like, it just, I was listening, for a lot of people, for the younger generation, I think it was like Chester Benning uh, passing with... Uh, Chester Bennington? Bennington. Uh, thank you. <laughs> you were- I'm um, like talking to my mom right now. You're like the worst ter- at names. My wife makes fun of me all the time. She's like, how do you not know anybody's name? Or how can you not pronounce anybody's name? Don't you work in radio? I'm when like, Tom showed yeah. up today, he called my dog Mags, and her name's Lexi. Whatever. So go ahead. Yeah. Um, so when when he passes uh, from Lincoln Park, and, you know, she listened to a lot of Lincoln Park for just, you know, a couple of days on end. I listened to uh, Chris Cornell's work for probably two or three weeks. Like, I was just like, I felt like it was like, not necessarily 1994 for... 
uh, folks who are a little bit older than me when Kurt died as a, a result of an inflicted gunshot wound. Um, but uh, I still felt that sort of like that melancholy grunge feel when he died. And that was, I, I think, sort of the, that's when you know an artist has had an impact on you, is when all of these rock stars are dying over the last, what, year, two years or so. Um, a lot of it as a result of, like, not necessarily old age, but the fact that they just did so many hardcore drugs for so many years, um, and all of that kind of catching up to them. Um, well, it what, sounds like the toxicology reports just came out on Chester, and apparently he had a little bit of alcohol in his system. But um, the way the report kind of alluded mm -hmm. to, which was I think was a little bit interesting, yeah. was that uh, they were really checking for uh, um, ecstasy. Interesting. So apparently, what I'm 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 t jumping to a conclusion here. So okay. you know this could be completely wrong. I'm making an assumption. But it sounds like because they pinpointed that one in particular mm -hmm. means that's what he struggled with, especially early on. Yeah. Um, and he got like kind of into that, and that kind of led to a bunch of other things. You know, once you once you smoke a lot of weed, it's like that leads into drug alcohol generally. Right. You tend to get more wasted. Right. Yeah. So like it just keeps building on each other. And once you go to that chemical way, I've never done that or anything. But so I don't really. I, it's hard for me to relate, but. Um, I, I like it can only mess with your your the inside of your brain and the way that you're kind of hardwired, right? The more you can do with that chemical stuff, yeah, so, it's gonna change you. And then Cornell was the same; he's no exception. He was a right. big drug user um, right. at one point. Cobain so, was a, a massive drug user as well. Yeah, um, but a lot of these guys, when as they're you know w what we're looking at, I guess back to the the point was um, when these artists are passing, you know, you kind of when when you can go back and remember maybe you know for me a lot of it was re even remembering the first time i was listening to soundgarden and even finding out and discovering who chris cornell was um i think that's kind of that lasting impact of music that they have right so it's um it's like a movie it's like a book it, it is that um it is that tangible copy when when dylan passes hopefully like in 100 years um because he's actually still putting out some pretty decent music um, yeah, if you're into going to sleep, whatever. Um, <laughs> but you, you look at that, and it's like it's a tangible piece of like what's happening in the world at that time, what's happening in an artist's life at that time. I mean, there's so many different types of music. I think that when you listen to it, it can evoke those feelings of, oh, that's right, I listened to this when I was feeling this, or I listened to this when I was doing this, and it's like it's like that taste, that smell, sort of uh, remembrance um, and the nostalgia feel for the music. Um, you know, I think is is a really, I've completely lost train of thought. I'm trying Good. to rescue myself. Um, Good. It's well, a really big impact in terms of um, what that musician does for you. And I think where we started off was the whole kids wearing Nirvana shirts, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. I think you started off that conversation by talking about Soundgarden and how you yeah. kind of got into them. Oh, wait, post-grunge. We were post talking about, grunge, uh, yeah. or pre-grunge, how it only lasted for like three years, right? It lasted from like yeah, 89 to 93 or right. 94. So like in by 94, once you got like, once you get past Cobain, you've mm -hmm. got... I think maybe one more Allison Chains album, maybe a couple, and you've got definitely one more um, Soundgarden album, mm -hmm. and then so that kind of dies. Pearl Jam at that point, '94, they're they, they're that's already past ten and verse. Now they're yeah. doing Vitology, which is not a grunge album. No, um, and it's then, a rock then album. No Code is like you know that's even more of an ex so like. Yeah, that's what that's what. But at the same token, is that's what they get criticized for is not keeping the grunge thing going, right? right? So that's where that's where that's a weird one, but. Um, then you've got from that 94 to 96 range, it's like you've got 
the Blue Album with Weezer. Uh-huh. You've got the beginning of Foo Fighters, right? You've got, so you've uh, got Wallflowers uh, bringing down the horse. You've got yep. these sort of the post-grunge. 311 um, makes an appearance in there, yep. right? Um, yep. So there's like a weird couple years there where some real quirky music was coming out. Yeah. And I don't know, I would really be interested to see kind of where that comes from. Yeah. Because like, where does Sonic Youth fit in all that? Like from a grunge standpoint, because they're probably one of the most grunge bands mm-hmm. that really doesn't get talked about. Right, at least right. from outside of music circles. Yeah. Um, but it's just an interesting. The '90s is a weird one, and like for me, the more I get out of it, it's yeah. like an AC/DC album. I just don't always want to revisit it. And so, like for grunge in particular, mm-hmm. I've listened to it so much. I I will probably every three years I'll check back in with Nirvana. Yeah. And I'm saying that with Pearl Jam. I know like people think of me as like a huge Pearl Jam fan, and I love them. Yeah. Um, but rarely do I just put on a Pearl Jam album and listen to it. It's more of like I get inspired seeing them live. Yeah. And then I'll put it on for 48 hours. But I do right. think they're my favorite live band I've ever seen. Yeah. So if that makes any sense. There's something you just said. Um, Damn hell. it. I had it and I lost it. Um, when it comes to... Uh, when it, when it comes to that uh, that that post grunge, that's what it was. That, that post grunge stuff. Um, there was a there was an article that uh, that we read. Um, what was it? It was 1996. Was like the year music died, or like the worst year in music history, or whatever. It was yeah. uh, 97, I think. Right? Was it 97? Whatever the something article. There, Consequence yeah. of Sound or something, or one yeah. of those like uh, online music mags um, wrote a really good in depth long form article about this. So for anybody who's still listening. Uh, go check it out, and uh, it, it it will kind of encapsulate a lot of what it is we're talking about here in terms of that music scene and what it became. And for me, because um, I'm a couple of years younger than you, and I, I think um, in that turn, that sort of like that post-grunge movement. Oh, by the way, we, we almost made it through this whole conversation without mentioning the Smashing Pumpkins. So there's there's the mention of uh, Billy Corgan and the Smashing Pumpkins, um, but a lot of uh, like the pop punk that came out in like the late '90s. So right after that quirky music, all of a sudden you've got like Blink 182, right? You've got uh, Weezer, you've got Green Day's Dookie Corn, from Limp like, Bizkit, and then you've got that whole new metal well, like Green rap Day, rock Dookie's thing. '92, I think. Dookie That's was '92, really early. so, so that was that, kind of the that was, and even at I think in '92 it was like a it was a one off. I don't think that album really got big until probably the mid '90s, '96, '97. It had been out for a couple of years. Yeah, it's funny you say that because I think my favorite albums of that '91 to '94 era are the ones yeah. that are in the moons. Interesting. Do you know what I'm saying? Like the yeah, uh, I'm trying to think of a couple that off the top of my head. Like that uh, first Pumpkins, uh, like Gish. I really love yeah. that album. That's a cool album. I really like the. Uh, um, it's REM. Uh, what's the other one? Um, Automatic for the People or whatever. That's a cool album. And what's the one with Monster? That's a cool album. The I'm um, trying to think of it, like some other ones, man. It's uh, but yeah, I mean the Bush. I think Sixteen Stones around that time. Yeah, Sixteen Stones like ninety four, ninety five, right like right, maybe ni- maybe even ninety six because Razorblade Suitcase came out in like ninety seven, ninety eight. It came out like a year or two after. I was so definitely like, in high school for that one. Yeah, yeah so I think I was in middle school for it. <laughs> So that's right. I was picking on you. I was putting you in a locker. Probably were. Yeah. Probably were. We didn't go to school together. No, we so didn't. that didn't make any sense. But uh, metaphorically speaking. Yes. I, I still was sticking you in locker. Those the the pain still lingers metaphorically. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny, man, because this leads me into two conversations that I've, I have with uh, other people that we talk uh, a lot about music with. And like the first one is, is defining your favorite era. Yeah. Um, and the more I think about it, so there's like that seven, I'd probably say 68 to 74, like four. Okay. I really love. And then, but I would probably say like my favorite decade. Yeah. Is got to be the 2000s. 
Yeah, you're a weird. big like 2000s rock guy. I love it. And the hip hop too. Like I yeah. love it across the board from a from a diversification. It's like cuz you've got so many different style mm-hmm. of bands. And maybe it's because I saw most of them at that era. It was like the time I actually had money to go see a lot of these bands right, and we right. did. But like the like um I know this is going to be an outset, but like the Strokes, the Arcade mm-hmm. Fires, mm-hmm. the um I've got to look at my my uh, my Spotify, but Band of Horses, and then you've got uh, Wilco doing some stuff there. Um, you've got uh, Vampire Weekend in the beginning of that. You've got a little bit of the beginning of the uh, Arcade uh, Arctic Monkeys. You've got all these like the Killers are in there. The Hives, the Vines. Well, I wouldn't. I are they like moons. they're moons they're in that moons, era? But, like yeah. LCD Sound System is one of those bands that like you don't care about at all yeah. until you listen to it twenty times, and then it's like, oh, this shit is great. It's it's the weirdest thing, and you know it's weird. I think I've only listened to them like nineteen times. So I mean, that extra <laughs> that extra listen to like push me over the edge. That's it. But that's uh, it. Beck, but Beck owns that decade. Like he does, there, he does. Know? So it's like there's a lot of great music in there, and even though some of those Dylan albums are cool, mm-hmm. um, I think uh, what's the one that was uh, not Love and Theft, and there's um, I can't remember the other one, and it's not Modern Love and, Modern Times, Modern Times, yeah. Modern Times. Uh, Tom Petty, who just passed as well, that crushed me. Um, <laughs> And uh, he had a great Highway Companion is probably like one of my favorite, probably my favorite Tom Petty That's album. Interesting. That's and that came out in like that that mid two thousands uh, era of music as well. I think like oh six to oh eight ish off the top gotcha. of my head. And it's just like those. I think it was oh six because I was still in college. Um, you know that that music for me like so I was listening to like Jet at that time like you're talking about the white stripes the white stripes yeah that, that whole white. that that whole like sort of garage rock like mc5 kick out the jams from like 68 um that goes into like that whole style of music the black keys the black rebel motorcycle club mm-hmm. um you know a lot my of that, morning jacket my morning jacket as well um, yeah a death cab for cuties in there a lot of people, and I mean, people love themselves some Death Cab. Like, yeah, man. like if you if you trash talk Death Cab, like y- you're gonna get Death Cab. Sure, <laughs> sure. <laughs> now now would be uh, like so it'd be Death Uber for cutie, right? Oh man, Death Death Lift. <laughs> that's a horrible joke. So that's, that's terrible. That's not making the. Uh, the, the video. No, we should probably cut that. <laughs> um, yeah, and then so then you've got. Uh, I'm trying to think of what other ones you got. You, there's just so many, man. It's yep. just like, that's my favorite, probably decade of music. Oh man, I don't. I don't I know that I could back. ever have a favorite. I don't know if I could have a favorite decade. It, it might be the '90s for me, um, and that's kind of sans pop. That's not Britney and obviously the Spice Girls and uh, the Backstreet. We were a Backstreet Boys household. My sister loved the Backstreet mm. Boys. Um, and I, I remember her as a kid, like she would throw fits. So Mary, when you listen to this, when you watch it, uh, I'm, I'm throwing shade at you hard. She would throw fits if we didn't listen to it. So like millennium, I think, or like whatever albums that came out like the late nineties for the Backstreet Boys, I know forward to back. And the reason I know is, uh, we were at a, Alexander and my wife and I were at, uh, a store in the mall buying her a snowboard a couple of years ago and, uh, Zoomies. And um, they, they, the whoever's working there can pick the, their own music. And somebody had on the Backstreet Boys' greatest hits. I knew the words to every single song, having not listened to it in probably 15 years, because wow. it was so ingrained in the back of my head from like sitting in my parents' Explorer, listening to that CD on like repeat. And it was just like it. I, I like it's the last. I don't think I've listened to the Backstreet Boys since then. Um, yeah, right. 
well, every day. You can check my Spotify. I see your Spotify. Right? I know what you're listening to, uh, really. A lot of pop punk, actually. Um, uh, again, going back to the, like Blink-182, uh, Lucky Boy's Confusion for me. And again, that same sort of era that you're talking about, the early 2000s rock, I was listening to the early 2000s pop punk. So I was listening to Lucky Boy's Confusion. I was listening to Blink-182, Sum 41's Fat Lip, um, off of, uh, uh, I can't remember the album, No Helmet, Pads, Just Balls, I think, or something like that. Um, New Found Glory as well yeah. is in there. Yeah. Um, so a lot of that. Uh, SR-71. SR-71 right here, right now. You've got Midtown, Save the Save the World, Lose the Girl, uh, Phoenix TX off their self-titled yeah. album as well. So a lot of that, like, pop punk drive through records label. So if there's anybody who's, again, still listening, that drive through records era of like 98 to like 2004 probably, I think is when they lasted. Um, which then like when I was in college, I was listening to um, Fall Out Boy uh, from Under a Cork Tree had just come out. Um, and then uh, Fall Out Boy's Evening Out with Your Girlfriend and Take This to Your Grave, their, uh, their first two albums, which are way better than everything else they've ever done, as is every band. Yeah. Every band's first and second albums are always the encapsulation of what those bands are. Well, those two those two albums in particular with Fall Out Boy, it's like people like you said um, talking about Backstreet Boys, mm-hmm. they know every word. It's like uh, I know people who know every word to every Fall Out Boy song yeah. that ever existed, and mainly because of those first two albums. Yep, and they're good. I mean, they're, they you they hook you, them. and it's that yeah. you know you've got those the what is it the the pops uh, the pop senses with the uh, the punk sort of attitude with it, and they are just really really catchy. Um, I, and people are probably like judging me now, like. What the hell are you doing talking about pop punk and listening yeah. if to that? If you're going to judge Tom, judge him that he loves Jimmy Buffett. Oh, man. I, I love me some Jimmy Buffett. <laughs> though, judge him on that. Don't though, judge him on uh, Speaking of Spotify, yeah. I went through and I listened to my year in review, like the top listened to tracks. Jimmy mm. Buffett did not make the top listen to tracks. Your, so, so let me ask. So, okay. do you? So they gave you your top five. Yeah. Um, would I know any of the bands on your top five? Um, one. I think mm. you'd know one. 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 So top you, five songs or top five bands? Top five bands. Top five songs are too much. Yeah, I, top five bands, you, you'd still know one. Okay, who is it? It's Lucky Boy's Confusion. Uh, yeah, yeah. They, they were number one for me, followed by uh, Our Last Night, followed by Thrice, followed by Marina City, and... Um, I think Moose Blood was number wow, five. Wow, you and Josh need to talk a little bit more because that's okay. I think would be on his top five and somewhere in there. Nice. Yeah. yeah. What's the love for Josh? What do you got? I thrice. Thrice. Nice. My wife got me hooked on Thrice. We we saw Thrice a couple of years ago on their uh, their their original farewell tour. Um, it was on my birthday. I had never listened to Thrice before, and she really wanted to go. I'm like, all right, whatever. And I just, I really wasn't into it. Um, we caught Dustin, the uh, the lead singer, at a bar across the street, like doing a solo acoustic set. Maybe he had the drummer or something with him. And uh, we got our picture taken with him, got to meet him. It was, it was pretty cool. And I, I really liked the solo acoustic set. Um, at the time, I was really big, and I'm, I, I am still a big fan of uh, Joe Pug, uh, Jeffrey Folkow, uh, that sort of like um, that, uh, that the new uh, folk scene as it's sort of kind of coming up and uh like a uh, Bela Fleck and uh, Abigail Washburn's dual banjo uh album that came out a couple of years ago it was just I, like, I don't know dude what, it's I, awesome I've stopped paying attention to you about 35 seconds ago. yeah whatever so I was really into like the uh the acoustic folk scene of that time as well and uh so I appreciated Dustin and the solo set and then 
it really wasn't until a couple of years ago that I really got into Thrice. And at that point, they weren't putting out new music. And all of a sudden, they put out this new uh, this new banger in, uh, in, <laughs> in 17. And uh, I listened to it uh, nonstop. Uh, so Thrice, uh, Thrice hit number three, which I kind of expected Thrice to hit number one. I was surprised that they came in at number three, let alone that a, a band like Our Last Night. So a lot of pop punk, a lot of post-hardcore, a lot of post-punk, um, ambient rock, math rock, like... I'm getting into like a lot of bands and because of Spotify, because of this, this device that right you refused here. to get for at least a few months. Dude, I, was, I was selling you oh my all the God. time. And just, you couldn't pull the trigger. You can, you can go ahead and you can bury me under that tombstone. You've earned that right. Cause, yeah. Oh, I was like, I was like, why am I paying for Spotify? Blah, blah, blah. All of a sudden um, I got a cousin and he's like, uh, yeah, Spotify's got 99 cents for like the month of December or January or something a couple of years back. And it was like, all right, I'll try it for the first three months, 99 cents. Dude, when they're like, hey, do you want to renew? I was like, click, yes, absolutely. Yeah, I couldn't like, imagine life without it. It is such a game changer, though. I think the biggest issue I have with Spotify is in college, I collected a lot of live and rare recordings. Not on there. So it's, it's not necessarily that they're not on there, but I have it, but I have it on my laptop. And if I'm listening on my phone, which I almost always am, by the way, uh, remind me about listening on the phone while you're going out and about, because I have to give you some more props as oh well. Oh boy! Um, so I I, um, I I get frustrated in that like I can't listen to Led Zeppelin's concert from Chicago in 1976. I can't listen to some outtakes and demos from some rock band that I have um, unless I'm sitting at my laptop. So if they're and I'm still logged into my same account. It's not like I have a different account for my phone and for my laptop. So Spotify, if you're listening to this, fix that shit now. Because when I can listen to all of that, like whether it's because if it's through iTunes or whatever, somebody told me the other day, Google Play, I can upload it there and Google Play will sync to all of my devices. I might have to go the Google Play route Don't to go it. ahead and listen to that. Don't do it. There's don't just so much good stuff that I have. Um, telling you, don't do it. And then again, I might go back and listen to it. Like, why do I have this like crowd sound from 1986? Just get this yeah. destroyed. The problem why Spotify can't like li like uh, lynch down a lot of that stuff is because most of this bootlegs mm -hmm. were done um, from an alien. You know what I mean by that? Right. It's like someone who's just there recording it. So yep. the record companies don't exactly own the the, uh, the, the masters the, of that right, stuff. Right, they don't. So there's no way of kind of making those contracts happen and keeping the record companies happy right. while getting their licensing. So it's almost, it's a catch-22. Versus like somebody like Pearl Jam who goes out intentionally, smartest move I think from Pearl Jam ever, and every band who doesn't do this is a complete and total failure, is recording all of those live shows and releasing them as bootlegs, quote unquote bootlegs. Yeah. yeah. Because if you're a fan and all of a sudden it's like you can go and like buy a, a $10 code to download that show that you were just at, nine times out of 10, as a fan of a band at a show that you were just at to be able to listen to, absolutely. 10 bucks, five bucks, 20 bucks, whatever it is, I'm going to do that in a heartbeat. And Pearl Jam doing that for, I don't know if they still do it. Yeah, they do it. They do it. I'm people, and there are people who are collectors who will go out and buy every single one on a 40 show tour and drop like $400 on yeah, it or you can, more. You can buy the entire box set. Can you really? Yeah. Smart move. I don't. Smart uh, move. You know, it's uh, one of those things I just don't subscribe to with that band. I, I mm -hmm. like, I enjoy hearing the concerts. I do. I, I do hear them back, but 
it's just I don't always have two and a half hours to like check in on an album. I kind of want to be in the forty minute to an hour range. You and know? and with that, it's like for me sometimes music becomes so background. Um, in college, I was listening to a lot of Dave Matthews because of course. Um, so I collected a lot of live Dave Matthews. I've got a lot of like I've got like Dave's first concerts doing solo stuff. And like, he was always good at recording his own stuff, right? Him and his fans were, which I thought was really cool, especially for that early early stuff. Um, and so, like, there are concerts that I have that are, like, three and a half, four hours long. And I think the thing that I appreciate about Dave is the same thing you appreciate about Pearl Jam is the fact that you can go to a show and no two shows are ever the same, you know, versus some bands. You can look on, like, Setlist FM or whatever that website is, and you can be like, all right, they're going to play these 12 songs. They're going to – then you go to the show and they play those same 12 songs in yeah. that same order. They probably have the same talking points through, like, the, the music and whatnot – and every song is always the, or every show is always the best one. Man, people in Chicago, you guys are the best tour ever. Man, Detroit, you guys are awesome. Like, it's just. I've a, seen that actually yeah. in front of me. Like, so I saw Florence and the Machine mm-hmm. at Lollapalooza, and I was like, this is one of the greatest concerts ever. Yeah. It just so happened two months later, we were going down to, um, what's that? Um, I don't even remember the name of the, the city in Florida. But we went down there, a group of friends of ours. Yeah. You know? Um, we went down there to go check it out. I think it was Pensacola. And we went down, maybe not. <laughs> I don't know. Um, so we went down there for this uh, DeLuna Fest is what it was called. Okay. And when we were down there, Florence and the Machine, well, Pearl Jam was opening Friday night, Foo Fighters was Saturday night. And That's a then, good show. Um, Zach Brown Band Sunday. Interesting. So was, okay. And they, they blew their wad yeah. on like, the yeah. budget, dude. So they're like, Band of Horses was there. Wow. Florence and the Machine was there. The Wallflowers was there. Joan Jett was there. Wow. It was like wow. um, the Joy Formidable. I mean, it was yeah. like all these really cool bands. And then um, we get down there, and I see, I'm like, well, I got to check out Florence. Mm-hmm. Went there literally line for line. in like So the entire set was perfect. Yeah. And she literally said the exact same stuff but changed the city. It's like she's Between reading off songs. a prompter. It was horrible. Dude. It killed it for me. And it's like, you know, in that instance, like, I'll listen to Dave, and I can go back and listen to, you know, live at Red Rocks, or I could listen to uh, the official releases, like, live in Chicago. I can listen to the bootlegs of basically almost every concert, except for, like, there's this weird Atlanta concert from a couple of decades, I guess, yeah, a decade I hear that's and a like, half Yeah, that's, like, the iconic one, right? I, yeah, that's the one nobody nobody recorded, or somebody's tape failed, and there's just, there is no existing copy of this Atlanta show. Or at least there wasn't, as of, like, 10 or 15 years ago, when I was still really big into the bootleg scene. Maybe it's like our first now. interview. Kind of, yeah. It, it might exist. We don't know. Um, but, you know, I can listen to it, and it's like there's going to be, you know, yeah, they might uh, play Don't Drink the Water and, at the two different shows, um, but one's going to be the five-minute version. The other one's going to be the 14-minute version. And you don't know which one you're going to get. Um, and I, I think that's the appreciation that I have for, like, listening to my extensive live and bootleg collection is because... Music so often, like if I'm in the kitchen, I'm cooking, like, you know, I'm making food, I'm doing dishes. I've got music on in the background. I've got, you know, I don't watch a lot of TV except for the shows that I want to watch. So music is sort of the sound in the house uh, for my wife and I. And so um, I think that's why putting on like a three, I could put on a three hour album and ha- just have it be the background noise and gotcha. just, just like just a live album. So Spotify finally paid for it, and uh, it's probably one of the best investments. Uh, other than being a public media member, there's my my shameless plug as well. Yeah. Support your local public media outlets because they're the ones who are also bringing you a lot of new and different types of music. Because um, I tell you what, I work my ass off to find new bands on Spotify. Bandcamp's still a little tough for me. I'm new into the Bandcamp scene, trying to find some bands. 
Um, and I, I, I <clears throat> excuse me. Um, so I, I buy Spotify, and I sent Alan a text. What probably a couple of weeks ago. I'm yeah. over, I'm over in Meyer, and uh, I I said, dude. I'm, I'm shopping and I'm listening to music and it is the greatest thing in the world. Yeah, I don't know how people do it. I don't know how people don't listen to music when they do anything. And it's like, and and you know, the first time that Alan tells me about this, I'm like, wait, what? You're you're that you're that guy, you're that, uh, you know, that that hipster like walking around the store with like one earbud in, the other one hanging out, maybe both of them. Oh in. no, like, I go full too. I okay. Don't, like, here's I've had like a curse in my life where yeah. I, I look very approachable to people. Bummer. And so I'll get it's caught. It's that charming in these smile, those soft eyes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I love it. I don't get me wrong. It's I, I see like I say this kind of shit, and then it makes me feel like I'm being a dick to people. But yeah, like, I've, I've you are. But this, whatever. I've always had this like ability to look really approachable, so people yep. just get into random conversations with me, and it's one of the ways I can keep that from happening. If I put two earbuds in, nice. Rarely does it. I mean, people still break through that wall. Don't yeah. get me wrong, but like generally speaking, that's my favorite thing to do. And like, there's so many different. I think what for our relationship, mm-hmm. usually when I tell you something, you instantly dismiss it and think it's stupid. Facebook Live, and then you've got to like, <laughs> that's another one. Yep. Um, and then you instantly think that like, okay, well then someone else has got to prove it to you, and then that's when my could become absolutely. Like, then it's absolutely. like, oh, Alan wasn't dumb. Um, and so like when, when I started learning that that um. I guess that type of like experiment about listening to music in different environments. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, it really helped with not a surf's let go album. I was, I had the earphones on and I've always been, and we're talking like early iPod here. We're talking the one that's wow. the size okay. of the iPhone. So you've right? been doing this for a while forever, man, because wow. okay. different, okay. different ways, like music hits you in different experiences. Mm-hmm. And that's what people don't completely realize. Like, there was a time where I'd go to sleep to albums all the time. Yeah. And that would just open up my eyes to especially a few. Like The Strokes, Is This It? Yeah. Um, Incubus's uh, Wish The You Were One Here. Not Make Yourself, Wish You Were Here. That album is phenomenal. Unbelievable. Coldplay's Parachutes. It was yeah. like these awesome. Band of Horses is new one. Um, I went to bed with that a few mm-hmm. times. And it's just, I don't know what it is about being eyes closed, earphones on, and it's just, it like opens up the, like this portal to the music. Yeah. Television's Marquee Moon is one of those albums that were like that. And I love that album. Um, but so like you start to realize that the environment might have a place or a point mm-hmm. into evolving your, your perception of the music. And so like not as let go, I was walking to campus. It was snowing outside yeah. and walking through campus with the earphones on and the, it just, I got that album that yeah. album made a complete amount of sense to me. Um, and my buddy, uh, Jeff, he had the same experience with it. And so I was like, once he started walking to class with it and had it, it was like amazing. Um, another one like that was um, the Grizzly Bear, uh, the one with the spade on the front. I listened to that album. I must listen to it like ten times and just couldn't figure it out. It just made no sense to me. Rolling Stone was giving it a million mm-hmm. great reviews, and then I was on my way home from school, yeah. and I'm driving, and it's, it was like a thirty-five minute drive. I went to school at Purdue University North Central. I so we're driving out there, and as soon as I'm heading home, it starts to rain and thunder and yeah. lightning, and whatever that experience was made that album come to life. Interesting. And it was like, Oh, well now I get it. Yeah. So anytime it's like raining or if it's like a thunder, like a, like a thunderstorm. Yeah. That's my go-to one of the go-tos. That's interesting. Beaches, I, beaches are the same way. Yeah. I, I didn't realize you were doing that. I guess with the, uh, the, the, the iPod kind of thing. Cause for me, the iPod was always like, I had uh, I had the mini, I had the nano, the clip one. Mm-hmm. And it was always like in the gym. So I'm listening to music. I'm listening to, uh, I listen to a lot of um, 90, uh, West Coast 90s hip-hop. So oh, yeah. uh, Ice-T, Dr. Dre, uh, Snoop Dogg, Eazy-E. Um, and that was like my gym 
mix for several years in college and uh, or kind of like late college, post-college. And uh, it was always like on an iPad, like the little nano that had like the tiny screen on it. And, you know, but now it's my phone, right? So I'm a new convert to it. Um, And so if I'm running a radio station, it's tough uh, in the sense that I don't listen to a lot of anything else while I'm at work other than the radio station, right? I have to make sure that it's up and running. I have to make sure the promos are all correct. I have to make sure everything as it is as it should be. So when I'm not at work listening, I'm checking in pretty regularly throughout the course of the evening and on the weekends as well, listening to the programming, making sure that it's hitting uh, newscast posts, making sure that files aren't clipped or uh, being edited, uh, not necessarily edited, but coming down via satellite feeds corrupted, meaning like all of a sudden it's like 12 minutes of just static, uh, not dead air, literally just digital static, which is like probably the, it's think of like a 52K dial-up thing or 56K dialup, whatever that is, um, on like repeat. And it's terrible. Mm, um, sounds horrible. So I'm I'm listening to the station all the time. So music for me is really that break from work. And working for an NPR station, it's news. It's news talk. So it's it's Jeff Sessions. It's Donald Trump. It's uh, the tax bill. It's the Affordable Care Act slash Trump Care. It's uh, DACA policies, it's state funding for education, it's privatization of school, it's, it's all of this news and information all the time. And I do need that break. We all do need that break. There's, there's nobody who works in the news industry that can listen to and absorb all of that information and keep their, keep their wits about them. Mm-hmm. So everybody who's listening who's like, man, I feel really, he just mentioned a bunch of things, I have no idea what's going on. You're not alone, but, you know, maybe listen every once in a while, at least on the drive times. Um, So music is that escape. So me going to the grocery store, I don't want to hear Boston's Boston for the 1,000th time. Anything off that album, don't want to listen to. Don't want to listen to Journey. I don't want to listen to the same sort of boring classic rock or the same boring background music. Uh, and that you're, always, saying, you're saying boring because of the millionth time you've listened to it. Dude, right? when, so it's not when, like it's like your first time listening. You're no, not just shitting no, on an era. It's no. just that like you're just you're ready. To, I mean, I, I need something like I said earlier that Led Zeppelin shirt. I grew up on classic rock. Creedence Clearwater Revival right, growing up right, was my right. favorite band. Um, you know, The Who and I, I could name drop every classic rock band in the world. I, I love Tom Petty. That is just that is the era of music that I grew up listening to because that's what my parents listened to when I was growing up. Um which is also partially why I didn't necessarily get so much into the early 90s scene of music because I was still listening to what my parents listened to. So that kind of coming of age for me was like the the mid to late 90s and into the early 2000s uh, versus like getting into Nirvana in like 92, 90. Well, even then I would have only been like eight yeah, to 10 years old. Yeah, I was too old. early for like to actually hear it while yeah. it was going on. I mean, I don't, I remember seeing the video in fourth grade, but yeah. I'm in fourth grade, man, I'm more worried about You can't about process like anything at that point. Figuring out the blowing system to my Nintendo games, you know, that was right, my focus. Right. I really like, wasn't listening to Nirvana. Making sure I don't bend the corners of my uh, Frank Thomas rookie cards yeah. and stuff. Like that was, that was my childhood. Um, <laughs> And uh, exactly right. It's uh, <laughs> yeah. no shame. Um, so like now when I go to a grocery store, when I go shopping anywhere, it's like, dude, the, the earbuds, I actually think I have them sitting in my pocket right now. I'm going to, I do right here. They're in my pocket, ready to go for whenever I have to swing by the store, pick something up. Like it is 
instantaneous, like whatever album I am just, I'm jamming on for the minute, whatever I'm just digging into. Yeah. Uh, right now I'm listening to the, uh, the Menzingers, which is a, a, a band out of Jersey. This is another point that I want to talk to you about it as well in a moment. Um, so I'm listening to that, um, just different music, new music within that sort of, uh, again, that, that pop punk sphere that I, I sort of grew up in and now listening to bands that are the result of bands like Blink-182 and um, My Chemical Romance and Fall Out Boy. And so these are guys who are all like 20 to 25 now who, who grew up listening to this stuff as well. Um, and now I'm listening to them. Granted, I'm like, I'm the old guy at the shows. Um, we went to, my wife and I went to an Our Last Night show uh, at the Bottom Lounge year ago um really good show and what was that uh that thing where everybody stands still while they're all dancing the video the camera scans across the i know room. what you're talking about like the mannequin yeah the mannequin thing like like no one dances though i think everyone stays still well yeah they stay still and then like the music drops and then everybody starts dancing whatever you remember that, that josh shuffle are you talking about the, what are you talking about right now you got nothing. All right, I'll have to figure it out. Drop a drop a comment. Uh, uh, the, the Harlem Shake. Harlem Shake, yeah, right. So that whole Harlem Shake of like people are. Like, the same song, right? Yeah, like everybody's like everybody's standing still. Like I think you're confusing two trends. I probably am. Whatever. I think you're so, confusing the mannequin with the Harlem Shake. The uh, the guys <laughs> in the band are like, hey, so uh, does anybody not know what this is? And like you know, in most large crowds, you can raise your hand and a couple other hands go up. Yeah. I was the only guy in a in a set that had probably like three to five hundred people in there. Good for you raising your hand. Who had no idea what this was? And like I don't I don't really keep up on cultural trends. I I don't. I find them boring. And sometimes really not particularly useful. Um, and so they had to explain to me while all of these like three to 500 people stared at me, like, how the hell does this? And I'm like, and I looked around and I'm like, I, I probably had everybody by 10 years in there. And it's like, even the guys who looked older, who got the beard, who just are big guys that, oh, you could probably pass for 35 or 40. Like, no, you're probably actually like 22 or 23. You just look really old. Like I had everybody in there by a decade. And that's when I really felt old in that scene of music that I listened to. So like this pop punk stuff, like I'm a grandfather in, in that category of pop punk music. Like I, yeah. I grew up listening to Blink-182 when uh, Enema of the State came out, when Cheshire Cat came out. Like I, I was listening to that in like the late 90s. And so for me, it's like this, this weird juxtaposition now where I'm listening to the bands who were then influenced by the music I grew up listening to. So Jersey, listening to the Menzingers. Uh, basically, uh, last time we did the show, you had Bruce Springsteen's uh, Born to Run on here. Correct. And uh, love, love the boss. And of course, if you love the boss, if you love modern rock music, you no doubt love the Gaslight Anthem. Uh, right? Yeah. Whatever. Um, so Gaslight Anthem uh, is a, uh, a Jersey sort of uh, punk slash rock band. Um, yeah. Everybody who comes from Jersey tries to sound like the boss, virtually. Yeah, well, that band in particular molds yeah. itself in that. I mean, whether or not you like the music, you could definitely see the influence. Yeah, and um, I haven't confirmed it yet, but just by listening to the album a couple of times, the Menzingers, um, singing, they've got a song called Lookers where they're singing about Jersey girls. Man, there is something about rock stars singing songs about Jersey girls that they just absolutely love. Bon Jovi, their Jersey band, right? Singing about Jersey girls. Like, it just seems to be a thing. And it's this, this weird, like, what is this? 
I guess, this weird love infatuation thing with Jersey Rock. Is it the boss? Is it just, you know, Jersey plays the little brother to New York? So if you can't make it in Brooklyn, you make it in Jersey? I don't I don't know. I don't get it. There's no. I, w- I wish there was a way of having that conversation without offending people. Everybody, basically. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. because it's like, so spending as much time as I have in New York, I've gotten a chance to kind of be out there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very Long Islandy, And what I mean yeah. by that is, is like, um, Long Island's got a very rich and thick uh, ethnic like like uh, immigration background. Yes, it does. And so you've like when you go there, everyone's got dark skin. They've mm-hmm. got black hair. They've got the thickest accents. It's right. just the way it is. Jersey's an extension of that. Okay. So what happens is is that it's very working class, and yeah. nothing's passive aggressive about it. So they're very. Um, upfront about their emotions. Yep. yep. So the what that's where kind of boss. That's where like Bruce Springsteen kind of stakes his claim is that he speaks to those people beyond he, anybody he, else. He does. I tell you what, man. Like yeah. he just. I think even in today's environment, uh, economically, um, you can listen to Born to Run, and it it resonates now in 2017, probably the same way it did in what 74, 76 when it came out. Uh, it just there's something about it. Everything's a cycle, right? Uh, for me, again, going back to my, my love of folk music and Bob Dylan, mm-hmm. uh, Nebraska is like, dude, that is just such a dark, dark album. And I love it. I love the shit out of that album. And it's like, you listen to that compared to like um, Born in the USA, where it's like this 80s power rock, right? The saxophone, right? Everybody's fist pumping. They've got their jean jacket vest on with their bandana and Courtney Cox Arquette or Courtney Cox whatever singing in the video like yeah. Elaine Bennis from Seinfeld so now you're getting the, now you're getting the songs mixed up you just said is it yeah you just said born in the USA and then you just put you just mentioned the dancing in the dark video <laughs> it's like you're always... whatever you it's know hard I mean. to keep track of your, your Dude, analogies my my brain is everywhere man um but it's like you know it is like that that power anthem rock where it's not quite arena rock but it still can kind of speak to the people but nebraska is like nope screw that it is like it is dark it is yeah. morbid it is heavy like that is like emo tom going back to the punk rock that is like emo tom's like jam right so there so when you were nebraska. emo tom i'm yeah. interested cuz like right now you've got the clark kent look going on yeah. is emo tom with the white face paint and the black lipstick no, no no never never did it uh i basically dressed and looked like a a high school slob slash frat boy without being in a frat for so nothing not much has changed not much has changed at all i mean i still i loved flannel and i loved jimmy buffett and i was like man that that's my vibe that's what i'm bringing to the table every time uh the glass were a necessity because staring in uh, at these wonderful things, these damn computer screens for you know eight to ten, twelve hours a day mm-hmm. in a in a dark room, like my eyes by like Thursday or Friday just couldn't handle it. I couldn't look at screens, and so I needed something to kind of relax my eyes and let them do the work. So my eyes can co- go ahead and like I'm looking at you, my eyes aren't like having to work at all, which is kind of nice. Because by the end of the week, like my eyes are like strained, they're bloodshot, they're heavy. I, I look miserable. I look like a recovering alcoholic after a three day bender. Like it's bad. Like it's not fun. I did want to bring something up to you. Yes. Um, and it's funny because you're talking about being the oldest guy in the youngest person's room at concerts. Yeah. But you have this like uh, propensity to kind of lean towards old people's mentality, which is really uh, I'm interesting. an old I'm an old soul. Yeah. Like uh, last Saturday, I think you were. Uh, were you complaining on Facebook about fireworks going off at six o'clock? Was it six o'clock? It, it felt like o'clock. dude. It felt like I, nine o'clock. They were going off all I night. I looked at my my clock just to make sure. 
that that this was like I'm like okay because if it was post nine and like okay yeah. I get it but six o'clock you were having a problem I I think it's the time change that throws everything off I'm also not really a big fan of people just lighting off fire and apparently it was a Crown Point Pyrotechnics Club uh, which I didn't know Crown Point had a Pyrotechnics Club uh, anyway it's like you know what okay I get it in that one instance but like. I get really pissed off at people that are celebrating our freedom on like August 14th. Like, what are you doing lighting fireworks off in the middle of August? The 4th of July, and if you want to do it on New Year's Eve as well, cool, more power to you. I'm not going to complain. But like on April 7th, at like 7 o'clock at night, you're lighting fireworks off because you can? Like, yeah. you are annoying and you are a problem. I was uh, I was living in the city. I was living in Chicago uh, years ago. And... It had to be like 11, 30, 12 o'clock at night. Lighting fireworks off in the city is illegal. Um, and uh, I was I was furious. My roommate and I were, uh, were were trying to go to sleep like normal individuals. We had to work the next day. and um, Like normal individuals. <laughs> right. And our neighbors in the alley are lighting off fireworks. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. So I, I called like the local police station. The local police station's like, you got to call 911. I'm like, all right, I'll call 911. So I call 911. They're like, all right, we'll go ahead and send a car out there. 45 minutes later, a cop car finally shows up because you can. my window was facing the alley or something. I had the door open. I don't know. Um, the fireworks finally stopped after the car pulled up. So it's 45 minutes more. So at this point, it's almost 1 o'clock in the morning. They were still lighting fireworks off. And uh, learned my lesson the hard way. $5 phone call to call 911. Apparently, it was a non-emergency, so they charged me for it on my cell phone. I'm Good like, for them. You deserve to get this charged for that. Ridiculous. I was so upset. Is I was it like, one of those situations where it's like as soon as the cop car pulls up and the guy comes out, he's like, Sir, what's going on? And you can like just see the body language, but they're pointing at you that you're the one who called and that you're the one that was angry? Probably. I don't yeah, probably. Yeah. So if if we live in a Tom Maloney world, God, what other rules, not. what other laws are you setting? Oh, man. Because um, clearly fireworks on only two days is allowed. Yes. Right? Um, yeah. I'm trying to think of some other ones that you've had in the past that you, you get because you get all caught up in stuff. Uh, shopping carts and just wandering in grocery stores. Dude, like, get in, get out, get your business taken care of. Like, I was, I was at uh, the store the other day. I'm listening to music, uh, a band called Crash the Calm, and I'm listening to their album, How Have You Been?, and, you know, one ear in, one ear out, so I can kind of hear what's going on around me. I walk behind this lady, and I go, and she goes to turn right. And I'm like, oh, I back up to go around this way, right? She's turning right mid-turn. Nope, she backs up and turns left. And I'm like, I, I feel like I'm Barry Sanders in the, the, the cold cut section trying to move around this lady. Like, what are you doing? I'm going to throw a knee out because you don't know what you're doing in the store. And people who drive in the left lane who are going, like, when the speed limit's 55 and you're doing, like, 60 or slower. And Indiana just passed a law. Thank you uh, for making that a law that you, if you're driving in the left lane and you're going too slow, they will give you a ticket. Even if you're doing the speed limit, even if you're speeding because you are impeding the flow of traffic and therefore causing people behind you issues. That is the greatest law that Indiana's ever ever passed. I think cops need more reasons to pull people over. I really do. I'm a, so I'm I'm a, support, <laughs> I'm a supporter of I love that. getting pulled over for dumb shit. The last time I got pulled over for something stupid that was texting and driving, and I wasn't even texting. And yeah, you weren't. Out, then I found out that that $200 ticket that I paid was completely unnecessary if I would have just told them what I was really doing. And what were you Pokemon really doing? Go. There it is. How? Yeah. When was this? Uh, let's see here. When was that? Uh, August? No. Before that. Um, it was the spring. Spring, yeah. It spring was the of spring this year, of this year. How, how old are you? 
35. You were doing what? Playing Pokemon Go. Okay, just want to it, clarify but, there. <laughs> I'm not even going to justify it because I Whatever. can do what I want, Tom. I'm just going to judge you. <laughs> justify that. Judgment. Uh, I think the only thing that really drives me crazy when it comes to driving is when, like, and, and this is, like, it's one of those pet peeves of mine that just instantly puts me into, like, anger. Yeah. Is when I'm at a stoplight, I'm leading the charge, mm-hmm. and literally, man, like the green, I could see the green light or the red turn to green within split seconds, and then there's a horn right behind me. Oh man, that's I brutal! I want to get out and just destroy that's, somebody. That's never happened to me. I don't think I've ever been sitting at a light where if somebody honks, there wasn't a reason for a honk. Okay, so like, so for example, just to test a theory. Yeah. There's times where it's like you're in two lanes. Mm-hmm. So you've got yourself leading the charge and someone else next to you leading the charge. Yes. So you're sitting there, and then light goes green, and I feel like it's just a natural occurrence. Both cars kind of, if one's a little bit ahead of the other one, then it's worth a horn. Right. 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 So if like if they're if someone gets a car's length away, horn it up. Yeah. Right. And it's ahead. and it's not even a uh, it's just a little uh. But little, I, little tap. You know what? I feel like that's more angry. That makes me more angry. The little the little tap makes me more angry. Does it? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'll honk at people like if they're like if I'm sitting and waiting. Like if I'm at like a three to five second, I'm like, what are you doing? I'll yeah. give you a honk. But uh, anytime I've ever got honked, it's because I've been I've been sitting at the stoplight like not paying attention, looking at music on my phone or changing gotcha. the uh, changing the radio station or looking for a CD or something. And well, it's then like, they understand. But it's like okay, all right, cool. Yep, you're right. Sorry. Yeah. Or the um, the people who get into right turn lanes when you're in a right turn lane and they're going straight and you're stuck behind them. I will lay on the horn and I will bark at them badly. More than what uh, what Lex barks is at no, anybody. She's a, she's a killer. Look at um, her right now. She is. She's so <laughs> tiny and furry and cute. And uh, the dog is too. Hey, Josh, what's up? <laughs> um but man, it's like, and especially like on Broadway in Crown Point, you've got all those turn lanes and yeah. people are just like, oh, I don't have to pay attention to the arrow and screw those 10 cars behind me at like 530 at night on Broadway. When people are trying to get home, I can go straight because I'm trying to turn into a gas station or my turn is up there, like right past the light. No, move over past the light like every law abiding citizen does. But no. And then like, or the people who like point, like when they're doing all the construction on Broadway, so signs were down and nobody nobody knew the rules of the road. It's like, oh, you don't know that like you only have one lane. You're just going to, it's like that Seinfeld episode where there's no lines on the highway and they're just driving across, right? It was that in real life on Broadway for probably two months. People were just like, I don't know how the road works. What am I doing? Like, imagine there are lines, people. Pay attention to them. Like, they just, people don't. Drives me nuts. I think uh, if I were to have Dave Uran on this show, the yeah. first one of the things I would make sure to bring up Thank is you. the civil engineering. I just do not understand these parking lots. These Crown Point parking lots make zero sense. I don't get them. There's like, like there's random islands that if you don't see, like you're running, like, you're curbing yeah. your whole car and crashing into a tree. Yeah, and, and like we're like, talking oh, islands do... that are like yeah. a foot and a half up. Not even like you can't even, if you curb it, like you're going to do some damage to your car. Yeah. Like and why then, isn't like, that a parking spot? That damn uh, Streck and Van Til's parking lot. Oh my God. Like you're telling me there's only two ways into that thing? Like yeah. that's insane to me. Yeah, you know. And but I, I, I will say up. this: I like, I like those yellow traffic markers that great they have move. on Broadway. That was a great move. That was um, a great move. Don't or not, not Broadway, but 109th slash 101st at that Broadway intersection. Yeah, those, that's good. Those are really, those were important. Those were needed because people were just doing all sorts of dumb things. Yeah. Well, how about that Dunkin' Donuts parking lot? Have you been in that? I haven't. No. So my wife and I, she loves Dunkin' Donuts. So we go there probably every Sunday before church, mm-hmm. more likely than not. Yeah. And we're in there. 
And like literally, like you, so there's like two, which is one, like two lanes, yeah. one coming out, one going in, and you, the parking lot to park is yeah. to the left. That's weird. So you pull in, and if you want to park, you've got to go against traffic. It makes no sense. What? In and world? then so you've got uh, um, your only real other option yeah. is to go around like you're going through the drive-through. Yeah. But that side is so tight. So now you're literally doing like a full lap around it. That's crazy. It just doesn't make any sense. And not only that, but uh, the fact that they even let anybody turn left out of that parking lot, out of that little extension right there, is ridiculous because how are you turning left against like three to four lanes of oh. traffic on Broadway? Like if I'm at a light, I stay back. Yeah. I driving in Chicago, you kind of get it ingrained and you don't block driveways, don't block intersections, don't block alleys. Just don't. Leave them open because somebody's going to try to get through at some point or pull out at some point. So I, I don't block them in, but it's like there are other times I'm just like, you just see like a mile of cars like just wrapped around just people trying to get out. I'm like, why not just go back through like the gas station or something? But like people are just like, I'm going to go ahead and turn left here. And it's like, what? Where's the why? logic? Why? It's the same thing trying to turn left out of the... Um, Strack and Van Til before they put those yellow cones up. Uh, just they force you to go down to the, the one further to the the east. And that makes sense. At least traffic kind of dissipates. But it's such a massive entanglement of traffic. And and not uh, when they did the first work on Broadway years ago, five, seven years ago now, um, when they first did that and not making a double lane all the way down to... Um, the gas stations at uh, what is that 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 Casey's and that uh, Family Express that are there now, uh, that Casey's General Store I think is the new one that's there. Like yeah. double lane it all the way there the to two thirty one. The world needs more Casey's. Haven't been in yet. Haven't used it yet. <laughs> I'm I'm lying. I okay. don't care. All right. It's like these amount of gas stations that are going up oh, are insane. S- speaking of uh, speaking of the the overkill on everything in Northwest Indiana, huh? Uh, I'm about to start throwing fits when it comes to car washes. Broadway is about to get two car washes, one on the south end by 231 and the and another one up by where they're building the pita pit. The equivalent of that for me is Route 30 and furniture stores. Yeah. And Think about it. Think about how many different furniture stores there are on Route 30. Insane. There are there's there's the home goods store, there's the art van, there's the like four or five different bedroom places to buy mattresses. There's the the one that's over by the Home Depot. There's the other one that's across the street next to the discount Ross Dress for Less place. There's, there's like all of these different Did you places. Say Walter E. Smith and all Walter those? E. Smith, yeah. and it's like you can still go to Big Lots. Just go to Big Lots and buy a couch. Yeah. Like there's like I, I think I've counted before, and I can't remember. There's at least fifteen to twenty in that two mile stretch from where the car dealerships stop and the the stores start all the way into like where where you get to Meyer and kind of it, it dissipates into nothingness until you get to uh, like that Dyer St. John area um, but in that stretch of like what roughly 2 miles there are way more furniture stores than we actually need you ever notice how many mattress stores there are yeah Another it's one that's just like why are there so many mattress stores how many people are buying beds apparently everybody i I buy one bed a lifetime. I yeah, I think we've bought in one bed in a decade. Yeah, my wife and I. And I'm sure the like the bed experts are gonna say, uh, you need to buy a bed every three to five years. Yeah, like, like like getting your oil change every three thousand miles. What a or three months that, that is. Come on, new cars today, they they can handle it. Yeah. Trust me. You know what drives me crazy now that we're on this topic? Yeah, we're getting we're just we're taking straight to like sh- we're taking us to Larry Davidville. Um, I, I I hate going to a place that is one thing but is being misused as a different thing. 
explain further. So when I go to a gas station yeah. to buy some kind of refreshment or right. pay for my gas mm-hmm. or, you know, like any normal human being, yeah. but I'm always behind the guy who wants to spend 30 minutes figuring out, checking every single lotto ticket he has oh, man. and then yeah. buying a bunch of lotto tickets. It's like, dude, there should be another lane for that person. Right. The other one, Subway. I don't understand why I'm in the same line as the guy who's got a note, a, 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 a crinkled up envelope, right, written for, for the 26 office, six different sandwiches, yeah, and God forbid everyone's like, you know what, it's not a big deal, just put whatever you want on it. No, yeah. everyone's got to put down their specifics of exactly right. what they want, and I'm always behind those people. And I, I will say, like Chipotle is great because you can like online order that move. That's like, the okay, move. Okay, done. Boom, here move. you go. And then all you got to yeah. do, you walk around the whole line and say, hey, I'm Tom. I'm here to pick up the 35 burritos. And they can say, oh, they're not ready yet. Please take a seat over there. We're going to go ahead and serve the other customers in the meantime. Okay, great. And then you go sit at the Game table. Over. You wait five or 10 minutes. Yeah. You get all your burritos. You yep. take them back to the office. But yeah, when you show up or the people who point, yeah, can I get that? Can I can I get that? Yeah. And that? Yeah. No, only a little bit. And it's like, why are you crawling? My mom did that once at Chipotle. She was with my brother and I. We flew off the deep end. We just, we snapped. Like, what are you doing? And if she's listening, I never stuck my hand. Mom, you stuck your hand over the glass at Chipotle. I'm calling you out. Don't be one of those people. Because I don't know what you've got on your hands. You might have just been holding a baby. You might have sneezed in your hand. And now you're like over the glass. That is our safety barrier. This whole shtick of like seeing how your food is made and being able to pick the ingredients is really cool. But when you ruin it for everybody. Everybody. Ugh. The other no one, forgiveness. Uh, Josh heard me on the back end of this yeah. one a couple days ago. I don't understand how we have such technological advances, but we just can't figure it out. And we've been like, it almost like has put us backwards in so many different ways. Yeah. He's like been here while I've been working on uh, my computer in here. And he just hears me like every once in a while, like I have Tourette's. Like, God, you know, bless it. Yeah. <laughs> Why can't this damn thing just work like it's supposed to? Right. Why can't when I turn on the damn computer, it just turns on? And like the one that drives me the most crazy is bathrooms, public restrooms. It's like, how do we get to a situation where everything is just non-economical? I go to the I go to the faucet. I put my hands underneath. I gotta find the damn sensor. I'm looking around for it. Can't find it. Now it's not doing this. Now I gotta go to the next one. Figure it out. Just give me the knobs. I just need the knob. knob I don't need knob to be is doing all you that need. crap. And then it's like you put your hand under the soap, and it's like, oh, that only gave me a little drop. Oh, and you put it back more. under, and it's like, and you're like, oh, my God. Yeah. Now my hand yeah. is sanitized for the next week and a half. Yeah, and then you go to the paper towel dispenser, and you're like, all right, I like a paper towel. So you got to wave your hand in front of the paper towel. Just give me the crank. Give me the crank. Yeah, but then you wave your hand, and it gives you like a clean, like a like a, what is it, a, a post-it note. Right. And it's like, I need 20 post-it notes now yeah. just to get myself a little dry. And those new ones where you stick your hands like this? Yeah. I hate that. I'm, I'm off of okay, it. Okay, sure. Yeah, they might be yeah. greener or more like sanitary, but I just don't want to do that motion. And if I miss and I hit it, I'm going back and rewashing my hands. Yeah. I just feel weird. Like, give me the superpower blower yeah. or give me like a paper towel that long and I'm set. That's I'm all done. I need, man. And do you yeah. ever been to those bathrooms that has like their reusable towels that like just go up? Yeah. Around? Oh, I don't so touch what those. What are we doing? I don't here? touch. Just what wave your hand. Just air dry. Even, just air dry. It doesn't even make any sense. No, it's like, terrible. What's going on? I haven't. In all fairness, though, I don't think I've seen one of those in probably probably twenty years. Oh, uh, maybe I, we saw more at those football games than I was uh, probably used to seeing. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, man, it's like you get in there and it's like, why has technology completely failed this industry? 
It's a it's a good question. Like and then like uh, it's all for nothing because as yep. soon as you touch that damn door handle to open it up, it's all you're right done. back to square you're one. You're all done. It makes no sense. So all this stupid crap that we're yeah. doing for no reason. Yeah, I feel you. Yeah, so, I feel you. Yeah, you got me on a tangent there. It's all right. It's what it's good for. Only you, only you, my I, brother, and one other person can get me in those tangents. It's worth it though. You need that catharsis of just letting shit out. Yeah. We've been uh, we've been having a lot of trouble with the new Call of Duty with finding games. It's been that's been yeah. very frustrating too. That's the one part of my uh, I try to I, I try to like like our our rooms full or you can't find like what you're looking for. I wish it was that simple. It's yeah. all illogical. It makes no sense. It's 2017 and you can't f- do stuff that you're supposed to be doing. No, you could ch- do oh, so they're, they're old... changing like the user interface platforms and stuff. No, like... again, that's too logical. Okay. It's like literally you just can't play for whatever reason. It decides that moment. That's weird. It's just the I know when the game crap. came out, like the, all the servers crashed and nobody could log on and play. You had that problem, didn't you? I Where did. You I couldn't did. even like log on like the first weekend or whatever. And it's like, if yeah. you know that's going to happen, if you're an industry and you know that's going to happen, yeah. that's the equivalent of like putting out three TVs on Black Friday. Yep. You know you're going to cause somebody to get in a fight. You should be held accountable. Damn for right. That. Damn right. Yeah. I don't want to. I don't want to get going down this tangent wormhole rage here. this rage but hole. I, got, I got another one and i know I, people are going to listen to this and be like oh they don't use an iphone but like it's got the most simplest interface ever but mm-hmm. they're really doing their best to make that not happen anymore yeah it's incredible man oh and droids are like oh guess what you've made this interface really impossible to go ahead and use instead of capitalizing it on it and making it easier for people who have droids to go ahead and use and like try to get some of those apple people away from apples and iphones yeah they're like that's a brilliant idea. Why didn't we think about making our phones as incredibly difficult to use as possible too? Yeah. <laughs> it's awful. Like what is going on? Like where's the logic behind any of that? Zero. You right? see that? Zero. Zero logic. <laughs> There's yeah. no outs right now on the field because that guy got to base safely because moron over here from third base launched it over the uh, the first <laughs> baseman. So there's zero outs. That's what that means. There's zero logic there. Yeah, I've been there. I've been the yeah. guy. I've been the moron throwing the ball into the outfield. I've I've been the moron from the outfield overthrowing my cutoff throws <laughs> good, as well. Good. So you know, same boat. So that's where we're at. I yeah, mean, we uh, we we recognize zero logic, but we also yep. know that we're also this part of the zero logic. Oh, we're absolutely. Part of the problem as well, right? Yeah, we are. Because that's I didn't why offer we can any com- solutions in that any of that. I plan on offering zero solutions. <laughs> it's not my job for you to figure out how to go ahead and use uh yeah use your car properly when you're driving on Broadway. It's not Alan's responsibility no. for a bathroom industry to figure out how to make it less contaminated. No. You know? You're right. And I just don't understand it. I, I don't think get These it. are questions that people need to be asked. I think I so. Think... Where's Peter Griffin? This all grinds my gears. <laughs> so uh, where are we at time-wise? I think that's an important question because we can keep going. I mean, oh, literally, uh, Tom and I can talk for about five hours. We probably could. So I'm going to try to see where we're at here. We're at an hour and 26 minutes. Okay. That's not terrible. So uh, without trying to avoid a part two, mm-hmm. um, which I had to do in New York because Rob and I ended up having yeah, a three-hour yeah. conversation. Um, is there anything you want to kind of touch base on while we're doing hmm. this? It's a good is question. Any, is there anything? Because we've got, I, I think we've got just a, a time clock of about 15 minutes. Okay, 15 minutes. I uh, would say that's about Let's talk White time. Sox uh, hot stove postseason. Okay. Uh, Off-season, I guess. About? Uh, whether, one move. One move. <laughs> whether or not they uh, go ahead and trade Abreu. Uh, for, I don't know, an exorbitant asking price or if they decide to go ahead and hold on to him and let him be the old guy in the clubhouse. Because up until this year, like when they traded Sale, when they traded um, Quintana, when they moved um, what's-his-face uh, Eaton out of the outfield as well, like 
I was all about getting rid of Abreu. Like, just screw it. Just send everybody out. Make them all go away. And this season, like, he, I don't know, man. He just, he did something. And it just, it felt like this is, he is he is our next Paul Canerco. He's our Frank Thomas. He's our Paul Canerco. He's our first baseman captain guy. Everybody else has come in. He's seen guys like Gordon Beckham. He's seen guys like um, Alexi Ramirez. He's seen like 18 different third basemen, including uh, Frazier, right? So I think there's there's some weight to that. Maybe I know he doesn't so want to be the. So what's the question? Do we do we trade him? Do the does does Han and company look at realistically uh, if they can get a haul for him? I think it's it's a serious question that needs to be asked. Yeah, I trade him. Just flat out. Yeah, I mean, what are they? Why would they hold on to any pieces at this point? Yeah. They're in, they've already committed to the rebuild. It's like, what is Jose Abreu going to bring to you? I mean, at this point, just get rid of them. Build, keep building pieces. And I saw that. Um... Is it uh, Manny Machado? Manny Machado. Machado from uh, from Baltimore is on the uh, on the block, and I saw some rumors that the White Sox could theoretically That's be a, buyers. Don't buy into any of that crap, listeners. Tom, don't buy into that. That don't is do a it. classic White Sox move. Yeah, they tell you that they're going to be in on everybody, and they're never mm-hmm. in on anybody. Well, they didn't say that they were in on anybody. Um, it was just. Uh, MLB trade rumors. Right, trade right. rumors, yeah. right? So yeah. like sports mockery and trade rumors. Yep. They won't come out and announce that they're actually excited about these people. They right. leak that information to the to the baseball insiders, Yeah. and then they never have any intentions of doing anything about it. Just to go ahead and force them to chase their own tail. The classic White Sox So, so no Manny, but uh, at this point, I don't think that the White Sox should realistically even be buyers. Like in the sense of like, no, oh. No, what are they buying for? Yeah, they don't know yet. They don't know. I mean, so in that, you got to that... build that system, and I know we've talked about it from day one. If yeah. you're going to commit to a rebuild, commit to the rebuild. Yeah. Now you now you're got because like here's the thing: there's no exact science to building mm-hmm. a, a a good minor league system that can promote. No, the exact produce. science is whatever team won the World Series that year, you follow their blueprint for the next year. Well, and that's what the Cubs did, right? Right. So um, essentially, you need to pretty much trade every asset you have mm-hmm. to establish as many young chips as you can yeah. and hope to God you hit the lottery three to five times. And what's your what's your theory? Your theory is you bring up your bats and you buy your pitching, right? Um. Yes and no. Okay, because you're the first... I think well, not the first, but you were definitely the loudest voice. I think at one point in a conversation that we had about that, where you you don't really go out and like the White Sox is loaded up on all these young arms. You yeah. have no idea what's going to happen, right? But you can still turn around. Yeah, Arietta is thirty one years old, but say in a couple of years he's only thirty one years old. He hits the free agent market. He's probably on the downward slope. Whatever arguments aside. But there are always going to be stud pitchers that are going to be available in the free agent market. Yeah, well, There's always going to be a team that needs to trade their number one or two guy because they're out of it, and you can send them a couple of prospects and maybe yes. a big bat or well, something. Let me ask you this, right? It's a rhetorical question. Yeah. It's not supposed to be complex, but who dictates the action in a pitcher-batter relationship? Who, who dictates the action? The pitcher. The pitcher. So as long as they hit their spots... Mm-hmm. And as long as they have the stuff that's good enough to get them to that level, yeah, they sh- you could be able to be able to kind of just keep recycling those guys, yeah, until you don't need them anymore. And so, I don't I don't believe in paying the big money in them either as much, yeah. unless it's just a guy. So that's you're an Oakland so A's electric. guy. You're an Oakland A's guy. Uh, to an extent, I mean, I think the A's were were the romance to the A's, which I don't understand, which I think the the national um, voice and the messaging behind it doesn't understand mm-hmm. is that Moneyball worked for Billy Bean in yeah. that situation because they had superstars. 
Because there's no exact science either. No, there's an ex- there's not an exact science, but they had guys like Jason Giambi. Yeah. They had Miguel Tejada. They had Eric Chavez. Mm-hmm. They had Jermaine Dye. They yep. had all these pieces on the field. And when you started stripping those away, mm-hmm. then they started going back to the cellar. There's not like there's no exact science to this whole thing that Sabermetrics makes you think that it exists. FYI, it's, that's World Series MVP Jermaine Dye. Yeah. Okay. Make awesome sure you, player, yeah. man. Make sure you, make sure you underrated you know. as hell. Yeah. And like, he's another guy that like, you know how I get about Craig Biggio. Mm-hmm. I would take 10 Jermaine dies over 10 Craig Biggio's any yep. day of the week. Yep. Um, especially when that guy was healthy. Cause he was a monster, but that's me. Um, but like, there's that aspect of it. And so like, even the Cubs side of things, it's like, yeah, they, they kind of sold the farm mm-hmm. for a lot of prospects, but that doesn't happen unless you hit the jackpot with Chris Bryant and Anthony Rizzo, right. those high draft picks who are very good at hit, making bat-to-ball contact. And what have the White Sox done with high draft picks? They've, Swing and a miss. They've kept drafting pitchers. And it's like, I get it, Carson Fulmer and then mm-hmm. Carlos Rodon. And it's like, I understand what they're trying to do because they think that the electric stuff can get in. Like, there are electric guys. Yeah. Clayton Kershaw. But here's the thing about Clayton Kershaw. If he doesn't locate, he's an, he's nobody. So he makes him. He's got a different breaking ball than you see in Major League Baseball. He's got a sneaky fastball. His mechanics are unorthodox. All that stuff goes into making him Clayton Kershaw. Right. It doesn't. It's not just about being a guy. Does that make sense? No, it does. It does. So it's like you've got to focus on if you're going to try to hit the lottery and you're going to hedge your bets in this game. Mm-hmm. Your goal is is to put it all in, especially high draft picks. Put it all in the hitting because yeah. those guys are going to well, as many as guys that make it. There's twice as many that don't. So you've got to really create that competition in the lower levels mm-hmm. to be able to kind of come to fruition with that. That's my theory. So then on that theory, the best bet at this point is to trade a Brayu and try to rob a bank. In the 100%. sense of like move him and get the biggest haul you can from anybody basically outside of the central. I would argue the AL central. You don't want to keep... Well, at this point, you probably could keep because... Him. Keep them. You could... Keep it inside. doesn't matter. doesn't matter because the White Sox aren't going to be contenders for two or three years anyway. Yeah. yeah. And at that point, what happens with veterans in this day and age when it comes to modern professional sports is loyalty only usually lasts Mm -hmm. for the first team they're on. Right. Rarely do you see a guy get traded or a guy sign up. Well, usually it's traded first. Yeah. But rarely do you see a guy just automatically get up and take off from a city because of money. Yeah. Like Pujols did it, but that was because of like a legacy contract. Right. That, that contract is so stupid. Right. That he had to take it. Good job, Anaheim. 10 years. Yeah. The guy is not, I mean, and not to mention, like, I think they did like 20, like, uh, like 20 years after that of merchandising rights or something. And, like, he's, and he's still going to go into the hall as a cardinal. Yeah, 100%. Unless it's written in the contract that he's got to go into the hall as an angel. Well, you never know, man. I mean, the way that they sign him nowadays. Yeah, who yeah. knows? Um, so, like, it's weird that you see it that way. So, it's like, well, like a guy like Sale. Sale will never be as loyal to the Red Sox as he would have been for the White Sox. Right. Mark, um, the Mark Burley situation. Mark Burley is the same way. It's like all those guys, man, once they lose their first team, mm-hmm. they, they see a side of the business of it that yeah. they just never kind of rebound from. Yep. So guys I'm like looking at you, Chris Chelios, <laughs> gets yeah. traded to Detroit. And then Reese, it wasn't that he got traded to Detroit that broke my heart as a kid. It's that he intentionally re-signed with Detroit. If he had gotten traded to Detroit and then said, okay, you know what? I'm going to look elsewhere. Dude. But he's the dude who, quote, says, I'm never going to play for Detroit, gets traded. Okay, go play for New York. Go play for L.A. Go play for Dallas or, at the time, Minnesota, whenever they, they moved to Dallas. Um 
go play for somebody else, but to intentionally re-sign, and that's any athlete anywhere. Yeah. I mean, look at the, the Red Sox-Yankees whole thing. Like, oh, so-and-so signed with the Yankees or signed with the Red Sox. It's like Johnny Damon has to put out a full-page ad in the paper to say, thanks, Boston. Well, that's great I'm marketing. Taking the money. So, Chelios, there's this perfect example. It's like he had that loyalty to the Hawks. The mm-hmm. Hawks didn't show that loyalty back, by the way. <laughs> no. It's like any kind of organization you've ever been a part of that you've left because it's just dysfunctional. Yeah. And at that point, the Blackhawks were dysfunctional. They were it was a train wreck. A train wreck. So you get so of course he's going to say that stuff as a hawk. But then like once he's there and it's a different ball game. Yeah. You can't really blame him for staying there. And know? winning helps. I think when you yeah. when you get your name on the cup, it's like holy shit, this is awesome. This is what yeah, this feels like. I can fun. do it again. Oh, you know what? Let me just ignore the the Stanley Cup win. Let's go back to the Tony Amante Hawks. Like, oh who boy. cares? Oh boy. So it's like there's that aspect of it. And like uh, you mentioned something else that Josh and I talked about on Sunday mm-hmm. was the Stanton trade. And yeah, I want to. I want to make sure everyone kind of. I know talking heads are going crazy yeah, right now. Yeah. I've literally seen articles about the twenty-seven Yankees and how this is a similar lineup. Do not buy into any of that crap. No, don't buy into it. Giancarlo Stanton, I think, is a premier hitter, mm-hmm. but now he's putting himself into an unusual platform of playing for a team he's never played for before in a market that is completely the opposite end of the spectrum. Oh, absolutely, as Florida, absolutely. So now it's a little bit of a different game. Mm-hmm. He's on his way to being the prolific hitter of this next four to five years. Yeah, fifty-nine homers, one hundred thirty RBIs. That is no joke. But Aaron Judge, on the other hand, mm-hmm. is strikes out at such a clip that he can go into such a funk yeah. that he's not even touching baseballs and he's got to go to the minors to figure shit out. Yeah. That's what kind of swinger he is, you know? And although he had success, let's talk about Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton and Gary Sanchez three years from now when we see the damage they've done. And we, yeah. We've seen this before. We've seen this with the Albert Bell signing when it comes to the, the, the White Sox. Right. As soon as they signed Bell, there was never going to be another three, four, five as Frank Thomas, Bell, and Ventura. Yeah. And then we get there, and then Thomas doesn't never has a year that he had like in the last four or five yeah. years prior. Bell's crushing the ball. Ventura breaks his ankle. Mm-hmm. It's just the way things kind of work out. Right. You got to let that kind of stuff happen naturally. The hype train, though, I mean, the hype train gets you the web clicks, sells the magazines, well, gets people to issue. go ahead and tune in. And if you at least realize that's what's going on, just take that for granted. It's yeah. not real. Let those guys prove it. Good to know. So that's my that's my 411 on that. Nice. Yeah. All right, look at that. Boom. We got three minutes left. High five. Oh, yeah, man. I, we can go on all day. We can, yeah. So is there anything you want to plug in particular? Public radio, man. Public radio and uh, giving random high fives to strangers, I think. Okay. You know, if you're in the grocery store, go ahead and high five somebody. It's going to put a smile on their face, or they're just going to look at you like, what in the world are you doing, man? Anything uh, social media-wise people should check out? Uh, You know what? I, nothing that I have. Again, I've been buried under a rock for like the last month because of Pledge. So I'm I'm in a totally different world. I'm kind of coming out into this world of like Christmas now. I'm like, oh my god, it's Christmas. I still gotta go Christmas shopping. Um, okay. So for me, nothing big, nothing major. Well, I uh, really appreciate you coming in. Number for the one. second time. For the second time. Yeah. And this time it looks like everything is green and we're good. Awesome. Uh, so that's awesome. So people will get a chance to see this. Nice. Um, and uh, hope that you share a lot of this stuff because that's pretty cool. You know, I that's will. kind of where my entire business model is on. So hopefully I will this push it out to everybody repeatedly. Cool. Um, and so uh, to the listeners, um, thanks again, Tom, for coming out. But to the listeners, uh, please follow us on SoundCloud. Um, that's a huge thing. We're trying to actually switch over to iTunes. 
Um, I know we've talked about that a couple times, but we're still in the process of that. Um, follow us on Facebook at Local219. Yep. Follow us on Twitter at Local underscore 219, even though I don't do that as much as I should. It's all and good. And then uh, my Instagram at uh, Local219. The Gram. The Gram. So uh, that's what I've got. And I uh, hope you guys enjoy your weekend. Uh, I hope you had a great week. And then uh, we'll be talking to you on, well, I'll be recording on Sunday, but talking to you on Monday. So uh, with that said, uh, take care. Three, two, one, out. <laughs>